So today we have the privilege to hear from two more wonderful seniors, May May Johnson and Aaron Fortune. Uh, both these people are great. Um, if you do not know them, I hope that you reconsider your friends and seek these people out, or at least just add them on Instagram or something. Our first speaker, May May Johnson, is a biology major, and she plays varsity soccer and is also an FCA leader. Our second speaker today will be Aaron Fortune, and uh, this guy's cleaning as a whistle, but the only dirt I could find is that he lives on catacombs, so let's give a nice warm welcome for May May Johnson. Okay, so I woke up this morning, and um, the only thing I thought I would, that would come out of my mouth was this. So, um, let's hope that isn't going to happen. Um, I brought a stool, just in case I couldn't see over the podium, because I'm not six foot tall. Um, but obviously, I'm okay. Um, so, for those of you who don't know me, I am not a high school student. <laughs> okay. For those of you who wrote my name down to talk, um, I can see over this podium. So I just want to make sure that is clear. I had a hard time <laughs> figuring out how to get to where I wanted to go today. Um, I had an idea in my mind. I knew the word, the theme I wanted to talk about, but it was as if I had this car. I was gassed up, go, got the keys, know where I want to go, but there's no road. It was just void. Um, much like what I fear my life may become after I leave Covenant. It's a bit dramatic, I know. But I have just gone through the first few sentences of this thing, and um, I'm ready to get going. So right now you're probably thinking, May May, what the heck are you talking about? Or you're that kid that's sitting by the best friend, texting them, asking them, why am I here? Well, I'm going to tell you. Um, it's a little more serious than what I've just spoken to you already, um, but I'd like to draw your attention to a very small word. Um, this word has undeniable implications for my life, and it probably does for most of you. This word has brought many heart-hammering, restless legs, sleepless nights to my life. This word is fear. Um, as some of you may know, I tend to be highly analytical, um, and not really in the way that gives me A's on tests and papers. It's more like Oh, my friend just looked at me in this way. Her eyebrow twitched. She's probably mad. Um, so facial expressions. I think about conversations I've had for months afterwards. Literally, I had a conversation two months ago. I was just thinking about it yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I, like, totally botched it. So whoever you are, we're going to have a conversation later and talk about that conversation. Um, so I left high school, entered college, obviously, Covenant. Um, and I brought with me a ton of overanalyzed baggage. And that train that I was traveling on, it didn't stop at the nine and three quarters platform. No. My train sped headlong, screeching into the ravine of self-doubt, self despair, and absolute fear of failure. In order for you to understand some of the conclusions I've drawn while at Covenant, I need to tell you a short story. The story is short only because I haven't lived long. Um, the story of my life. Um, I'm going to zoom in on me when I was in fourth grade. And this was the year I got my first B. Um, started early. <laughs> hasn't ended. Um, early in the year, my dad went in for surgery. He had three cents put in 
to an artery that his surgeons called the Widowmaker. He had 90% blockage in that artery. Um, soon thereafter, um, my family found out some really hard news. Uh, my dad had been embezzling money for years. Actually, at that point, he'd been doing it a, 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 since about the time I was born. So it was about 10, 11 years. Um, I ended the school year, and I was ready for summer. I was ready for a break. My mom started working at the Y to help with the financial issues that come with uh, embezzlement. Um, so I quit softball and tried my foot at soccer. Um, in July, <clears throat> the week after my 11th birthday, my family and I went to celebrate my grandmother's birthday at a river that was just outside Montgomery. Um, and on July 21st, 2001, my oldest brother, Claiborne Stanford Johnson, drowned. Um, as many of you may know, the cloud of shock um, that comes with grief it rolled in quickly. And yet that day is in my mind more clearly than today, really, um, with the fog outside. Uh, six months later, we got a call. My, dad, my, uh, my granddad, my mom's dad, had had an aneurysm. Um, and shortly thereafter, he died. Um, I remember his death, um, but I was still lost in the haze of shock from Claiborne's death. So it was still kind of like, I, I mean, I had no idea what was going on. Um, but I think it's safe to say that those 18 months um, of that year, fourth and fifth grade, were some of the hardest my family had ever experienced together. Um, I continued to do and say things in a Christian manner, which I became a Christian when I was five, prayed the prayer. Um, but my heart was hardened and numb. Um, I even went so far as learning the shorter catechism, which if you've ever done that and you didn't get to go to the Auburn Water Park, I'm sorry. Um, so not until middle school, the anger and hurt started to surface. Um, I took it out on my mom, which um, to this day I'm heartbroken over. Um, but it was wonderful. I was knee deep and sinking further into a youth group that loved me. My youth pastor ta talked about brokenness all the time. He even said the S word a couple of times, which was pretty big. Um, <laughs> but I felt understood. I felt like I was normal. And as the shell around my heart softened and um, the anger towards God surfaced, um, my environment continually reminded me of the truth of the suffering and the hope of Jesus. Most of my sophomore year of high school, I babysat this little girl named Madeline um, and she was diagnosed with a rare inoperable, inoperable brain cancer. Um, she had a tumor. Um, well, shoot, I can't remember the name of that part of the brain. But anyways, um, my junior year, after babysitting for her all year long, she died. Um, and I was heartbroken, not only for myself, but for her family. It had been a long struggle. Um, as I entered college a year and a half later, I felt some relief to be separated from the pain of back home. Um, but my freshman year, a good friend of mine, Troy, with whom I had uh, been in high school and gone to church with for years, um, died of a heart attack. Um, I went home to be with his younger brother, one of my, also one of my good friends. Um, my sophomore year, my mom called um, to tell me that a girl, Virginia, I had um, discipled her when she was in middle school, was killed in a car accident. And not long after that, I got another call from my mom saying that Virginia's granddad had died as well. Um, and this man was just 
an incredible part of my church family back home and had been there for my family. Um, I didn't understand God. I didn't understand his plan. I was mad, but I knew that I couldn't live or have hope without him. Um, in high school, I'd worked through a lot of my personal anger, but for those first two years of college, I experienced this new wave of anger. Um, so I knew the sting of death, and yet all my friends seemingly were getting to know it so well, so well also. And um, I just didn't understand what it, why it wouldn't stop. So through the last 12 years, I've asked the question many times, Jesus, where were you? And I know that some of you are asking the same question, Jesus, where are you? Um, in the story of Lazarus's death and resurrection in John 11, Mary and Martha both, both questioned Jesus when he arrives. They say, Lord, if you've been here, my brother wouldn't have died. My pastor read this over Easter, and for the first time, it hit me. My heart was just, I, I, it stopped. I was like, why has this not been something I've read before? Um, maybe I need to read my Bible more so that I can see these passages. Um, I um, had experience in the, in the span of a year, my dad having major heart surgery, my brother dying, my grandpa dying, and finding out that the past 10 years, um, my dad had been embezzling money, and death hadn't stopped its march on my life. So with all that's occurred um, in my life, and with all that I've seen in others' lives around me, I've come to fear. I grow anxious every time I see my mom calling me for fear that it's gonna be another pronouncement of death. At Covenant, though, I've been surrounded by incredible men and women who don't let me cling to my fear. In class after class, in each of my friendships, the Lord reminds me through the words of my friends and professors that he's there for me. He's right there. He doesn't let me go. And every th time I think I'm alone, walking through the desert, I can't deny that it's actually my Savior carrying me to that sweet oasis. He kept water to my mouth, water of life eternal. I'm about to graduate, possibly. Um, and I don't know what my life's going to be like after I graduate, if I do. And the only thing I do know for sure is where I'm living, which is with my parents back home. Um, that's, that's all. And I don't know if I'm going to do well on my MCAT this summer. I don't know if I'm going to get into med school. I don't know if I'll ever marry or when I will actually move out of my parents' house. I don't know. My sophomore year after Mr. Jesse, Virginia's granddad died, I was broken. I had not passed organic chemistry. Um, more power to all of you in that class right now. You can do it. Um, I felt like my life's plans were crumbling. Junior year, I lost soccer with a blown out knee and the road of recovery before me. I experienced so much pain and so much death of not only people, but expectations and of my own plans. One day in my junior year, the Lord showed me something incredible. He showed me that this life is not my own. Um, I had been building this road for myself out of bricks and laying them down in the direction I wanted to go, but suddenly my brick-making machine blew up in my face. The tools I thought I had to kind of lay the cement and brickwork, they just kind of crumbled um, and were lost to me. The path I'd drawn up for myself disappeared, and suddenly a new road opened up before me. 
Through the process of life, of my life, the Spirit has slowly been opening my heart. This life is not some path I've chosen for myself. No, it is an adventure. An adventure story my God wrote just for me before the beginning of time. It involves him saving me from the grips of death through abandonment of his very own son. It means carrying me through the wreck of the life I make for myself. It involves his wooing my heart. My God rejoices over me with singing. He showed me his love on the cross and he delights in who I am. So when you ask yourself the question, Jesus, where are you? And you will in these four years at Covenant. Remember that he has written an adventure story far better than any Huckleberry Finn novel or um, really any adventure novel you've read thus far. He's written a story for you in which you're saved from the icy fingers of death. He's written for you an adventure that means romancing you. My friends, I'm far from perfect, as every single one of my friends can attest, and yet I am redeemed. Um, my God desires me. He delights in me. He loves me. The plan of my life is far from certain, and yet I stand before you with confidence and excitement about what my life may be. I can't wait to see what my Father has planned for me. I can't wait to see what's around the bend of my life. He's planned something wonderful, although I know from life experience that it may involve something terrible. He's planned to weave the red ribbon of redemption throughout my life. You may ask me why I'm excited about the future. How can I be confident? Well, as I've shared with you some of the pain I've experienced, I've also experienced the reality of God's redemptive work. My parents not only chose to remain together, to love each other and continue pursuing, pursuing to serve each other in the midst of great hurt they cause each other, they actually like each other, um, which is huge. Um, their relationship has been redeemed in ways I didn't think imaginable when I was in middle school. I've been able to stand alongside many friends who have um, suffered loss, the spirit slowly moving in their hearts to hope and joy that can be found once more in this life only through Jesus. Ultimately, though, this world is not the end for me. I'm waiting that wonderful day when I will see Claiborne, my gran, little Madeline, sweet Virginia, Troy, Mr. Jesse, and countless others. Take heart, dear brothers and sisters. This isn't the end, but the beginning of a great adventure that will most likely end involve death, and thus, the entrance into the great and wonderful kingdom of God. In closing, I'd like to read a quote. I didn't think it would end this way. End. No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The, the gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. What? Gandalf, see what? White shores and beyond, a far green country under a swift sunrise. Well, that isn't so bad. No, no it isn't. Thank you.
thank you, Mei Mei, for that. Um, that spoke to me more than I'm sure what I'm about to say will speak to anyone. Um, anyway, I'd like to um, share some quotes that have been uh, very significant in my life recently. They're a little long, I've got like three. Dear Aaron, we regret to inform you that the Department of Philosophy at Pennsylvania State University is unable to offer you admission into the graduate program for fall 2013. Dear Mr. Aaron Fortune, fancy. <laughs> the philosophy PhD program has completed its review of your application for admission to the Graduate School of Loyola University, Chicago. With regret, I inform you that the, you know, I think we get the idea, you know. <laughs> Isn't failure fun? <laughs> Makes me feel all warm inside, you know. Um, let me tell you the other half of these letters, um, the half that might have been a little bit captured with the with regret and um, all the other somewhat meaningless condolences they gave me. Uh, a lot of people applied. It's not your fault. Um, the other half of these applications was Christmas break a terrible, terrible time to apply for things. Uh, I didn't really have a Christmas Blake, uh, Christmas Blake, Chris Blake, where are you? <laughs> um, because I was applying to things um, and taking the GRE, which is like grad school SAT, on the week of Christmas is a terrible, terrible idea, especially on a Sunday, it's just weird. Um, but a few months ago, during this time, I was wandering around, um, constantly running, working, and stressing to avoid the flames of the hell that I had created for myself. Um, this hell involved a series of letting myself go type decisions uh, that I just knew I would make as soon as I failed at this part of my life. Uh, washed out cubicle walls, boring and weird office mates, my meaningless work before me illumined only by the glow, glow of soul-sucking fluorescence. Um, with these visions of fire and brimstone, I was moved about frantically because I knew that if I ever wound up in this hell, it would have been my fault. Um, I believe that every part of life is a little story of either redemption or damnation. Every pursuit that we engage in has its hell of failure and its heaven of success. Those who are within the inner ring and those who sit outside the gate with the weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think that we were built so that life looks this way, or at least I am. And while I could probably spend the rest of this time you have given me regaling you with story after story of all the false hells I've created, not getting into grad school, sins that I fear that I would commit, um, friendships that I might not keep in touch with, uh, I'd prefer to talk about some of the heavens that I built for myself and... Um, how they've shown me the face of God. Last spring was a miserable time for me. Um, I was not happy with the way things were going at Covenant, and I was just stewing here, uh, kind of in my misery, you know. What am I going to do next? Nothing excites me, hooray. Um, and 
just about that time I started thinking very hard about grad schools, uh, these grad schools. Um, one in particular that I didn't read you because these were nice enough to send me letters, but this uh, Fordham just sent me an email saying no. Um, <clears throat> I found this website, it had this beautiful campus, which as we all know, pictures like that can be misleading, um, especially on days like today. Uh, <laughs> It's in the middle of New York. It's an excellent program in what I want to study. It just sounded really amazing. Um, so I started getting excited about going there and I would like look at the internet webpage at night sometimes and think, you know, next year, next year, that's gonna happen. That'll be great. Well, not next year. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and another thing came along and um, I'm gonna to have to explain this for a little while because most of you will not be able to relate to this. And if you do, I know of a good support group. Um, <laughs> the best name I've figured out for this was Kierkegaard Camp. Um, Kierkegaard is a Danish philosopher, miserable person. His entire body of work was built off of a failed relationship with a girl, um, more or less. So I got accepted to this place, which I wasn't expecting to, and it just sounded really exciting, which is terrible, it shouldn't. Um, and I thought like, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna write this thing that's just gonna be amazing and I'm gonna study and be like brilliant or something. And that didn't happen. Um, this is a great one because the disappointment came so soon after the expectation. I got on the plane to go to Northfield, Minnesota, which is a terrible place. <laughs> it consists of two colleges, like three weird dirty bars. Um, one's called Jay Grundy's Rubenstein. I mean, like, who wants to go there? <laughs> and it's not like Rubenstein, it's Rube and Stein, you know. Um, But so I was on the plane and I started talking to this woman who was sitting next to me and she was really, really interesting. Had worked at like some writing workshop that uh, David Foster Wallace had gone to and just really interesting things like that. Uh, and then I mentioned like, oh, guess what I'm about to do? And she's like, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, <laughs> um, and then I get there and the bus that I was supposed to take to Northfield, I, I landed in Minneapolis. Um, well. I tried to find Terminal 1, and I thought I did, but I didn't find the real one until the bus had left. So I was trapped in Minneapolis looking for someone to take me to Northfield. So I found this cab driver who is still burned in my memory. He's one of the strangest people I've met. Um, he's very nice. He took me all the way to Northfield, which is like an hour cab ride. He made $100 off of it to church. And like, the worst thing is when we got there, he's like, oh yeah, I know where it is. And then we spent like 20 minutes looking for it while I kept being charged more and more money. Um, and the entire time, like I was talking to him and he was looking at me and saying things like, good fare, good fare. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I, I'm not very experienced with cabs, but I know fare like means the money I pay, but it might also mean me and I don't know if he was like complimenting me or something. Um, Anyway, I got there, little, little, you know, just enough to say that it was not what I was expecting. I finished the paper that I started there 
over December instead of while I was there like you're supposed to. Um, and a lot of the hopes that I was expecting and like a lot of the things that I thought God was telling me about myself and about my future during that time turned out not to be true. Um, there's something that Professor Huffines mentioned in a class I took with her, practicum and teaching writing, uh, that I'll never forget. It has nothing to do with writing. Um, whoops. Uh, <laughs> It's that vacations only really help people as they anticipate them. In other words, like, once you go on your vacation, you're not going to come back feeling more rested. It's just that sense of anticipation that maybe things will be better uh, that make vacations good. I kind of hate that. Um, I really hope it's not true. But all my hoping, and ha uh, hoping it's not true and hating it uh, has led me to think about it a lot. And um, I think God structures us so that we hope things um, to teach us about the hope of heaven. Um, and that's why I've referred to these things as heavens and hells, because I feel like God has taught me through them more about what he's doing in my life. Um, and these heavens have all passed away. Uh, Fordham, you know, these places, uh, Kierkegaard camp. There are some good things. I don't, you can go if you want to. I mean, apply, I guess. Um, but for all the deceptions of these false heavens uh, they told me the truth um, as Christians the fact that we will one day go be with God and see him face to face should do things for us it should give us something to hope for and um, it should tell us something about who we are we are the kind of people who will one day see God in Christ we are truly that amazing and this is the source of Christian joy um God has taught me some of this joy through my false heavens and hells, and um, I, need, I need this lesson. Um, I can't learn it another way, because when I step back and look at the Christian message, um, I realize that I do not believe it, uh, because if I did, I would be a lot happier and a lot more secure. Um, I mean, of course, I believe it on some level, but it's like I feel like I'm always moving further, um, because it's just so amazing. Um, but the amazing falls prey to the day-in and day-out messages that I receive from the world. Um, things like, you're worthless if you do not achieve at a certain level, or have certain skills, or you'll only be happy if um, people give you attention all the time. This is very nice. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> these things speak so loud to us that we, can, that we often cannot hear the word of God over them. However, God uses our lives to teach us about him. We often think of this as sanctification, and the mortar and bricks of my sanctification have been these faults, heaven and hells. He has used these desires and fear of my heart to draw me closer to him. Whether it was bringing me out of the bad place I was in with the hope of going to Fordham, or giving me a greater joy than I had expected at Kierkegaard camp, it turned not to be so much of a scholastic situation and more of a, um, wow, I've gotten to love some people who are very different from me and who are not believers and really understand what it means to be like the token believer in a group of people. Um, that's a lot of fun if they're nice people, so do it. Um, find nice people, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he reminded me, and not just my brain, um, but all of me, my, my heart, the way I feel about things, that the future is full of his love through these hopes that ultimately didn't come true. Um, and though the words he used to communicate, me this communicate to me this hope eventually lost their meaning, the message was heard just the same. 
Um, I have noticed this pattern in my day-to-day -day life as well. I know that God is always using my circumstances to bring me to places he wants me to be emotionally and mentally. It's a great game to try to figure out what he's doing. Um, this is really bad. So like the other day I was uh, taking a shower and I was thinking while I was just standing there, okay, I kind of feel this way this morning and I'm going to have these things to do later. I don't feel capable of doing them right now, but maybe God wants me to feel this kind of sense of self-doubt right now so that later I come back stronger and I'm really able to do these things. <laughs> and then I was thinking, oh no, but now I'm thinking about this. <laughs> so maybe God wants me to think about this so that when I'm, you know, and then you just go crazy. <laughs> er. Uh, <laughs> um. But for all of that insanity, I feel like God is jerking me around my face, screaming, look at this, think about this, hope this. Um, not because those things are ultimately things that will come true or because um, those ideas that I might be thinking about at the time are true, but because he's shaping me through the experience of going through those things. Um, for instance, something that uh, came up recently was after this period of rejection from grad schools, it's like, what am I gonna do? And um, I started thinking about going to Labrie in Switzerland, and that sounded really great, like there are pictures of mountains. Um, I could kind of justify it with, this will help me with grad school some, it's not super expensive, you guys should go if you can't find anything else to do. Um, and like, that was great. That, added a, like a spring in my step for several days that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Um, and now I'm starting to wonder, like, do I actually want to do that? And some of that hope is starting to get shaken. Um, and this effect has even affected, like, this kind of God leading me around by things that may not happen, uh, even applied to this talk, because um, when I was first planning to talk about this, I was riding, well, driving my car back from Asheville over spring break and um, just sitting there thinking, oh, so I have to speak in chapel, that's kind of cool. What am I going to say? And if I don't figure it out soon, this could be really, really bad. Um, and I realized, oh, I bet my other rejection letters have come in because I don't think I got any acceptance letters. And I'll just read those to people. Um, <laughs> And that'll be great, and we can just all talk and commiserate and stuff. Um, but even that didn't quite work out. Um, what time is it? It's impossible to see. Oh, wow. Um, even that didn't work out because I got accepted to one place. Um, not what I applied to, like I accidentally, well I didn't accidentally, there was like a pox that's like, hey consider me for this other program like if you want to. And so they did. Um, and that's why I might not be going to Labrie anymore. Uh, and I don't know whether I'd rather go to Pittsburgh or Switzerland. <laughs> um, it's a really tough choice there. If you've never been to Pittsburgh, great. Um, <laughs> So I find myself, or probably a lot of you seniors find yourself, um, and a lot of you students do, just in this moment of uncertainty about what's coming. Um, and when things look bad, 
re like that reflecting on how I feel about myself and thing when things look good, that doing that as well. Um, but I, and a lot of this talk is just me trying to figure out how to negotiate um, that instability. And what I think I've decided um, is true is that whether, like, all of these things, um, these false heavens, these false hells, um, they come from God. And uh, they come from a God who loves me and um, loves all of us. And while I may be wrong about what's coming, and I know I will be, which is kind of nice because eventually I get bored with things I'm excited about, um, the message that I heard in those situations of, okay, you were valuable, you have something to give others. Um, because of the work of Christ, uh, you can be excited about your future. That is true. And um, I would encourage all of you here that have things that who knows if they will pan out or not, but you are very excited about, uh, to realize that that hope that you feel in that, um, if you recognize this is a gift from God, that's not a false hope, and it's not something that will be taken away if it doesn't really work out. Um, and I'm not good at this. I get stressed out a lot, all the time. I mean, I'm the one in the shower thinking about, you know, is my thinking about this somehow something God's doing, you know? Can I outsmart God here? Um, which is dumb. But I think if we really do understand the hand that God has in our future, um, we will be able to face it much more successfully and with a lot of peace. That's all I have. I think it's past time.